placeholder theme song, placeholder theme song, placeholder theme song, yeah. So let's talk about why we're talking in the middle of the month. Yeah, it's uh, like I guess they won't know until we post it, but like at the mm. moment it is June fourteenth, mm. um, Tuesday, four oh nine p.m. Uh, Pacific time, seven oh nine p.m. Uh, where I am. Yes. Oh, uh, did you hear the train? It just said choo choo. I did and- not hear the train. Ah. I'll, if I listened back to podcasts, I would turn it up and listen, but I'll leave it to readers to uh, uh, to report back. All right. Um, readers? Yeah, people read podcasts. Sure. Anyway, yes, what the fuck are we doing here? This is uh, tentatively working title uh, episode 185A of the Metafilter Monthly Podcast, the non-monthly part of that podcast. Basically, we're going to talk about a video game and a TV show and, and maybe some more things if we get off track. Not us, not us getting off track. Um, Because we had meant to have these conversations in the last podcast and both forgot. Yeah, and there was one, and it was also, we went for like, you know, upwards of an hour and a half in the last one, partly because like Metafilter discussion stuff, you know, ate up a bunch of it, which is great. That seems like a good thing to use the monthly Metafilter podcast for. Uh, But yeah, we did even less of our normal specific yammering about just things we're personally excited about. Um and you have said a bunch of times, like I've gone off about a video game. You said, you know, this be, this should just be a podcast. That, like, you know, Josh explains video games to me, which. Right, um, right. Because I don't play almost any video games. And so it's always, you know, I play some Mantle and I think that's a video game. So like. <laughs> it's a video game. Yeah. Is it? Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's a very, it, it's, it's a very like stripped down word video game but i don't know it's a it's it's a, it's it's a digitally mediated game i say that's a video game i'm right. very inclusive in what i will there's pay. not to, there's not anything to look at though well i guess I mean, there's, there's a little bar and a little bar and, it's and like i an do i'm getting better interface. yeah i appreciate my but yeah I, it, my point being i like listening to you talk about video games because it's just not a world that i inhabit and right. not only do you inhabit it but you're very enthusiastic and happy about yes, it and it's, it's one of your happy places and so it's yeah, fun it's, to it, talk it, to you about it it's a big lifelong uh, source of joy and entertainment and interest and aesthetic enrichment and yeah video games a lot of video games are real good um, so, so I'm going to talk about a video game today and we're going to talk about a TV show today mm-hmm. and that's not like the format for this, whatever the fuck this turns out to be, but like, that's the format today. And, and that's all we know is that we want to talk about a couple things and we're going to do it for a while and here we are and won't that be delightful? Yeah. And there will be spoilers for both this video game and this television show. So yes, yes. let's, let's, let's be clear about that up front. Probably anytime we are going to discuss like a entertainment property in this context, we are just going to fucking dig in on it. So if you want to play, right, I'm going to cut straight to the ending and, yeah, yeah, and yeah. in my horrified shrieking and, you know, Josh will probably talk about something yeah. about, well, I it, guess maybe we should stop being coy. The video game is the, the video game is V Rising. Um, oh, so you just didn't write it. I, I no, thought you wrote it that way to save space, but it's really no, called Vampire Rising. No, no, no. It's just V Rising, which uh, you know is is kind of fun because like it's a little bit abstract, even though it definitely does. The V vampire. stand for vampire. It does. Oh, for fuck's sake! Um, but you know, I don't know. There's a lot of other games with vampire in the title. Just using V seems like it stands out a little bit. Does it? Um, it yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, if, if you go search like vampire Is it like on V Steam, period rising or is it just V? Just capital V. And on the title screen, it's a nice stylized, weird sort of gothic V. Oh, it probably looks cool. 
Yeah, no, it does. And the TV um, show is Severance, the one that, if you'll remember from Podcast Pass, <laughs> I was confusing with Succession, which I had noped out of in five minutes. And I stand by that, so don't tell me to watch it. And Josh was like, no, really, Severance is good. Succession, whatever. You yeah, should I've really try Succession. I've never watched Succession. The only thing I know about Succession is that it is like grim chuckles and people who enjoy watching people sort of be terrible people and not always succeed at it tend to enjoy it. Like it, it, it I think it yeah, follows. Yeah, and that look, the like, little Culkin kid is in it, who's no longer the little Culkin kid. Yeah, but he, yeah. that's that's how I even knew it existed because I saw him on SNL and was like, he's good. What's he been up to lately? Oh, Succession. Yeah. I should see. Ah. No, I shouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> Wrong like, for me. My, my impression is is it's kind of cringe dramedy is is what Succession is like. It's it's like dark comedy that is like Arrested Development level, intentionally sort of weird and cheeky, but also but also prestige more, television in that it's yeah. very high concept, very well yeah. directed, very lots of actors that you know about, and yeah. Yeah. So yeah, but but other than that, I know nothing about it, and I've not gotten around to it, and it's not high on my list. So whatever. But Severance, Severance with Adam Scott mm. and uh, directed by Ben Walken Stiller, and directed by Ben Stiller, and uh, not Tony Shalhoub, but uh, John Turturro, um, and other people who I'm forgetting. Pa- Patricia Arquette. Like, oh yeah, Patricia Arquette's in it, um, and some people who I don't particularly know, but are great. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy who played like his friend, I went looking him up on IMDb because he was so good. And I was like, how have I never seen that guy before? Like, he can play guitar. He is handsome. And he's clearly a great actor. What is going on with yeah, that guy? Like, I don't know that guy at all, which is interesting. Yeah, no, neither did uh, I. Some well, okay, let, 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 let's do this. Let, 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 let's start with Severance. And, and Well, and yes, should we? Because we should start with video game because Severance okay. we're both into. Video okay. game is like Josh explains things to Jessamine. Okay, so like, like there'll be a payoff for you having to sit and listen to me. Is the I like the listening okay. to you, but I I might start staring out the window if I've sure. already talked about sure. the thing I want exactly. to talk about. Exactly. Okay. Well then, here we go. I'm going to talk about a video game called V Rising that I've been playing, and uh, it is a game where you play as a vampire. Um, and can and you the, only play as a vampire, or are there other characters? You can only play as a vampire. You play as a, a sort of generic vampire. You can use a little character designer to create your particular version of a sort of Nosferatu-looking vampire. Are there, like, boy vampires, girl vampires, you know what, non, there is, there's, there's non-binary a cu- vampires? There's a couple body type selections, and they're entirely abstract. At no point does it say male or female. You can have sort of like a bulkier character or a slenderer character, and that's all. And... They don't care about it either way, and there's no restriction on what kind of like hairstyle and clothes, etc. You can wear. You can definitely be a, a sort of slender, femur body shape. Can you be a busty vampire? vampire? With a, they don't have a bustiness <sighs> controls. It's just like, well, okay. Here, here's a, here's a thing. Like, I, I, I like. <laughs> I like the fact that they are just sort of like whatever. Pick a body type. We don't right. give a fuck. You are who you are. You're a vampire. Right. Um, and. Also, whether or not they're going to add more things to that in the long run, I don't know. This is a game that is in early access, which I've probably talked about oh, okay. before on the MetaFilter podcast, but early access has become a term of art in video games. It's not just like, okay, well, this is a game that like is sort of, there's a thing going on, but this is a whole like way of launching a video game before it has been completed. You know, How is that? The, so it's like it's in beta or no? Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, okay. So here's the thing. You used to have basically, these were the, these were the ways you could get your hands on a video game. You could buy it once it's out. 
you could maybe get into a beta or even an alpha test if that specific company was deciding to do that, which if usually If you knew involved, somebody at Bioshock or something. Yeah, or, or you know, like they would generally do closed and open betas, is, is and this still happens too, depending mm-hmm. on the game. But basically, the closed beta, you probably write and you know put your email in a hat and then eventually they start picking emails out of that and they'll like use 10,000 people they'll give closed beta access and test it for a while and then go from there or an open beta where like it's basically hey yeah you can play it we're not promising anything cuz it's you know right. not it yet, might be broken your yeah. your status might and and sorry who makes v rising uh i don't know some company how do um, you get to it uh i i have it on steam Okay, um, Steam. So you could find it on Steam, or yeah, you could. Google v some Rising. could. You're in early um, access. How did you get early access to it? Um, so this is this is what I'm saying. So you've got closed betas and open betas are a traditional sort of dichotomy there, and then mm-hmm. also like just a demo, which is a partial version of a game that you could like right. download for free or get in a disc on you know with your video game magazine. Um, early that, access. Does that still become, happen? Is that still a thing? I have no idea. If in that 2022. Still happens. Uh, it certainly was a thing back in the day, back when I ever used physical media for anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but early access has become this thing that is like a formal way to just have beta testing early access, you know, exactly what it sounds like, just be a normalized thing that everybody can do. Because like normally doing a beta test was kind of an outlier thing. You like, so you sort of had to make an effort to do there and, uh, and communicating about it was like maybe a little bit of a one-off complicated thing. Most games would not have a beta test. Um, doing a beta test was often sort of like the product of a larger company too. Like you know, they sure. had the resources to organize that sort of thing. Um, and early access is just sort of like a proviso that steam includes or, you know, other platforms might too but the fact that steam explicitly supports things being in early access is like a big sort of shift in the positioning of this idea in the games industry to the point where most indie games you know would benefit from explicitly having people playing it before it's out and by positioning this early access with the hey it's still in progress we don't know well, for and sure. steam also has like forums and stuff so that people can like it's got a method for capturing feedback so that a company right. doesn't necessarily have to have all that infrastructure because right. you yeah. can just sit in the forums, use them. Yeah. I mean, because I, I, I think Babel Royale was in early access or something. Oh, probably. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, I think it was when I, when I tried it. They were definitely adjusting it as it went. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Well, it's, and it, I guess it, that's it, the thing about Steam to begin with, right, is that you're just connecting to a platform. And so theoretically the people that put the stuff on the platform could be changing that as they go. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, I don't know Steam that will, much about steam, but I'm just steam making sure will, I understand You can set up it. steam to automatically update or just manually update. But anyway, yeah, they can put up patches and you update your game and then you play the new version, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And like, none of that is like crazy unprecedented stuff, but the sure. way that has been formalized over the last several years as early access, as sort of both a general common concept and a feature of steam is just, it's kind of an interesting, interesting thing are there other like big platforms like steam steam's the only one i know of but that's just i as i've said not really my my space like are there other bigger big platforms like that that are web-based not like ones like i understand console systems but yeah yeah no steam steam is the big one and the uh the the young gun coming out swinging at this point is Epic, which in the last couple of years has launched its own game store. Oh, interesting. Um, okay. And Epic 
you may or may not know of because like, prior to the last few years, they were just kind of a studio that put out games and some of them were good and some of them were real good and some of them were okay and whatever. Like, What's like, like one of their big name games? Well, their biggest name game is Fortnite. Oh, I have um, heard of that one. Yeah, which is why there's an Epic Game Store and why they are coming out swinging as the young gun because they have been so fucking successful uh, with and Fortnite. is Fortnite still super popular? Or? Oh yeah, oh yeah, it's still okay. it's still kicking along pretty well. Like, Good. I don't track it. I, do, I it's not a game that I even play, but like it is hugely out there, and it's a huge. Right. It, it's big with the kids, eh? <laughs> you know, like but sure. legitimately, it's a, it's a huge sort of like phenomena and social space and huge source of revenue and and uh, sort of like weight to throw around on Epic's part. So they started the Epic Game Store, and that's kind of trying to like catch up with Steam in terms of features by spending a lot of money. Um, and then well, and because th- the platforms themselves are free, right? It's just a yeah, yeah. It's like just a way to access games from a number of different other companies. Exactly, they're trying to be sort of like a likable, usable platform. So, like you know, between sales and having your library organized in one place and value-added features like forums and you know whatnot, you right? Know, they're trying to be like the the most appealing place to like lock yourself into mm-hmm. like almost all of these games almost all the games you can buy on steam or on epic you can buy on both and you can also just buy independently from the developer or you can get on uh you know there's a site called gog.com which used to at least stand for good old games and really focused on like retro games and they've kind of gog.com bit... how is there like a three-letter domain that's like a big deal like that that i've never heard of um I don't know. I mean, like, it's a video game thing. Like, you would have sure. to have a specific interest in, in video games. You know, Humble, Humble Bundle. I'm familiar with them. They've, they, they're, they've sort of moved into doing more, like, direct, um, you know, first-party sales and stuff, too. It's probably um, better that I don't know about this. I'm looking at it yeah, now, and like, I'm like, like I could yeah. just do this for the rest of my life. And, yeah, like, Microsoft has the Xbox Game Pass, which works for the Xbox, but also for PC as a, you pay a monthly fee and you get access to a bunch of games instead of like buying the games. Does it not work for the Mac? Um, I have no idea if it works for the Mac, but like Microsoft has a real vested interest in windows. Yeah. 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 Um, no, I get it. And more to the point, it's easier to make their games work on both Xbox and windows when they're both Microsoft products. But, um, but I don't, I don't have a contemporary Xbox. I don't have a contemporary PS5. So I don't really know what's going on. I have a on. PS2. So oh, okay. I basically sit it and play Galaga on it. Yeah, you can, you, could, you could play The Bouncer. Um, the what? <laughs> it's a, it was an early launch title for the PS2. It's the first game I played the heck out of on the PS2. And the Bouncer? Yeah, it was a beat em up. Um, it's uh, <laughs> I'm not sure I'm interested enough to make it okay. another episode, but it could be another episode. Okay. <laughs> anyway, that's a big fucking tangent. But basically, what it comes down to is V Rising is a game that came out into early access uh, in the last uh, month or two. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe maybe just a month ago, literally. Um, and it just sort of blew up. Like a lot of people were like, "This is fun," and I agree with those people. It is fun. And, what's, uh, so talk to me about like what's fun about it and what makes you be like, yeah, I'm loving it. So this is, this, this is a game that is in sort of the survival craft em up like genre that there's a lot of stuff wandering around that territory. But basically, it's the kind of game where um, you chop down trees and break rocks and build yourself a little like wooden hovel. And then you're like, yeah, but this could be better. And you 
unlock some technology and then you know how to make stone walls and you can actually have a roof on your on your castle which is really good if you're a vampire because of the sun yeah um, no joke otherwise you're just living in a hole covering yourself with dirt every night right yeah exactly sleeping in a shitty wooden coffin on the grass you know and hoping that you know you don't get out of it until the sun's down um so you like you go out and you, and, and you find fancier ways to carve up wood and you find harder kinds of rock and ore and you collect those and let those let you manufacture, you know, more advanced workstations and you sort of like slowly iteratively build up, um, so you get, a you know, the castle? means of fancier production and make your castle bigger and, and, you know, maybe you bring horses home and feed them water to keep them alive. And maybe you start building prisons to put humans inside of and really store them for blood. And maybe you convert really? some of the humans with servant coffins to like go on errands for you. And that, that one of the things I love about this game, like in terms of its just attitude, is it is a game where you're playing as a vampire, but you're just playing as a vampire and that's it. You're just a vampire and you're fine with that. And your whole thing is you want to like get back in the swing of things and, you know, get back into dominion over these pesky humans. So many vampire games, and this is not a bad thing that these other games do, but so many vampire games take the concept of being a vampire from a narrative perspective as sort of like a journey from this perspective of a human player where like uh, a lot of vampire games start with you having just very recently become a vampire. And then like you're learning about your powers and you're learning about the various downsides of being a vampire and you're struggling with the balance between embracing your new powers and your immortality and your strength and retaining a sense of your humanity and what it means to be a person and like really sort of like, navigating that and maybe having choices about how much you go one way or the other and thinking yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. V Rising, fuck you. No, you're a vampire. Humans suck. Kill humans. Build a great, big, big castle. There's no wrestling with it. You're just like, nope, this is who I am. Right, the I'm goals are yeah, do this. The, the, goal, the goal is to once again rise to power and subjugate humanity. Like, you are the vampire rising, not the vampire struggling with the moral question of the nature of being. Um, can you wear different outfits? I appreciate outfits? that. You can. You can. Mm-hmm. And you have to sort of like uh, build up technology to build fancier outfits. And all of the outfits are rad and vampire foppish. Um, <laughs> like okay. it, th- th- this is not a super high polish collection of like like outfit graphics. Like it's, I would say like World of Warcraft level sort of like kind of cartoony yeah. uh, aesthetic rather than like a like super polished AAA studio like photorealistic trench coat, blah, blah, blah. Sure. Um, but it's good. Like, it's just like, you know, so yeah, you, you go out and you, you build your castle and you deal with the local humans and you sort of track down, um, dangerous mini bosses who have special vampire blood or V blood or whatever it is. And by killing them, you learn new things. And there's like vampire hunters out there and mean, big human, like logging mill bosses and, trolls living in the mountains and uh, so it's not just vampires and humans there's a whole bunch of different kinds of right there's vampires and and humans and other shit out there you know um does it does it happen in any particular place are you on earth are you in transylvania you're you're in a vague gothic setting a vague pre-industrial gothic setting okay like there's not really any more to it than that you know like swords and axes and crossbows and uh, mean, mean Catholic-ish humans um, seem to be the primary like ascending attag- antagonist. There's a big map you could wander around. You could build castles in multiple places. Um, 
and different parts of the map are more dangerous than others. So like you have to sort of work your way up to dealing with the uh, farmland area where people are smart enough to put up garlic that causes you problems. And from there, you have to work up to dealing with like the cursed forest, which is like... And really is, it all, is it all just normal vampire tropes or do they have like interesting new different vampire tropes? It's it's a mishmash of existing ones. Like they don't seem to be trying to like say, actually, no, we've figured out what the real vampire situation is. More like, hey, you know, garlic is a problem for you. Holy silver water, silver bullet, steaks yeah. in the heart, that kind of thing. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. it's interesting. That it's holy radiation is what you run into when you go into a monastery. So Wait like, a it, it's treated what? as if it's wait like, a, a second. Sort of like, what I know, right? Like it maybe maybe there's a little bit of a science fiction thing going on there. Where it's not so much like the power of God as it is like you know the harnessed elemental nature of quote unquote holiness. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, I haven't spent that much time in in the monasteries because I don't have good resistance to holy damage yet. So I'm just like <laughs> I, I can't fucking I can't do this yet. Right. Um, so it's like. If you like sort of the crafting and like building up a, a base, it's really good for that. I'm enjoying that a lot. You know, people have talked about it. And the crafting like, is like building a house and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Like turn turn a bunch of logs into lumber. Use the lumber to build a workbench or walls for your for your place. Use a stone grinder to grind stones into bricks that you can use to build sturdy castle walls. Um, use that and some cloth and a little bit of sulfur you found to build a nice tile for for your alchemy tools in particular, and then you get a nice bonus to you know how efficiently they work. And I've got an excellent castle with a bunch of dedicated like workshop rooms, and I'm very happy with it. <laughs> um, I've got another fancy just like vanity castle that doesn't produce anything, but I've been collecting high ranking members of like the clergy military in the nearby town and abducting them and bringing that and converting them into vampire uh, servants. So there's just like, so vampire big- servants, that means you bite them, they become vampires and then they work for you. Basically, you actually, so they started a- <laughs> out as humans. You couldn't like <laughs> collect start, yeah, a right. human without putting a human in a prison. Well, you don't need the prison part. That's actually just its own useful thing, but uh, you do need to, it's funny, you have to like damage a human down to like 30% and then use an enthrall power to sort of like make, ooh, I will control you, sort of like you know, <laughs> eyes at them. But you have to do that just standing there. And if there's any other humans around, they aren't being enthralled. The person you're enthralling isn't enthralled yet. And all those people keep trying to kill you. So it becomes a process like, okay. Sounds complicated. There's those, there's those five guys over there. One of them, I really want to come work for me. The other four, got to kill. But got to kill those without killing that guy because I don't want him to die. So I'm going to kill those four carefully, whittle him down, but not too much so that he's like weak, but not dead. And then, and then I'm going to enthrall him. And then once he's enthralled, I can't use my other spells until I'm done with that. So then I need to kite him back to my house, not let anybody else get angry at us in the meantime, because they'll attack him too. And he's barely got hit points left because I beat him up so I could enthrall him and then get him back to the castle and then put him into a servant coffin and let him bake for an hour and a half. And then he'll turn into wait, a Wait, 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 what? You, yeah, instead of like biting their neck and having a dramatic scene like that, you put them in a servant coffin, which is a small. Okay, so there is a little coffin. bit of different vampire, a little bit, a little bit, like yeah. Okay, a servant yeah. coffin. Yeah, that's just what they call it. Well, I, I, I wasn't sure if I was hearing you right or serving yeah, coffin. Yeah, yeah, servant, servant coffin, S- servant. There servant. we go. Yes. Uh, so you yeah, put no, them I mean, in a special yeah. coffin for a certain amount of time. Yeah, and you then... put them in the oven for you know three fifty on on. You know, for for an hour and a half, and and then they then they're ready to be your servant, and you can give them stuff and say, hey, go to this village and collect the wool they make there, and you know, and they'll go off and do that, and they'll be back in like you know four hours or eight hours or whatever you set it for, and um, 
So yeah, it's nice. It does a lot of things well. Like it's it's not necessarily doing anything in a super revolutionary way. Like everything it does is sort of like as far as like survival and crafting and building stuff. Like other games do as well. And there's a game that does each one of those things better too. Like basically none of those are doing it as a vampire. So that's one big plus. Uh, but its collection of those things is all really good right now. It's like, it's already got a really solid, fun game to play in that sort of general vibe. And like in my opinion all of the best of the games in this sort of survival craft genre, it supports cooperative play with other people. That was going to be actually my next question, whether you're just kind of doing this on your own in the wilderness or whether there's other people potentially. Yeah, you totally can play solo and I have some and enjoyed it. Um, A lot of the mini boss fights that you need to do unlock technology are a lot harder solo than with friends. So Mm -hmm. there's a real strong mechanical incentive there to play with other people. Mm -hmm. Um, But you don't have to, like you could in theory, totally play the whole thing solo. Um, And if you like sort of like a solo survival craft grind, I would say, yeah, check it out because I think it's good enough by itself. Uh, But you can play with other people and you can do that by playing on random servers you find on the internet, or you can do that by organizing a private server with friends or just hosting a game from your own computer if you don't want to like bother with a like dedicated server. But how does that work considering the game is early access and it's on a platform? Like, so the, the fact that it's on steam doesn't matter there. Like Mm -hmm. steam, steam actually provides some nice features for like, organizing like online play but any game that has like servers that multiple people can play on together just has to figure that out themselves like that's just something you have to build uh as the maker of the game like that's just a thing you implement um and the early access part kind of doesn't matter one way or the other it's it's always a challenge for a game that wants to do cooperative play or online play if they're still in the development process, because if you change something about how the game works, it could be more complicated to fix that for online play than just for a single player game. Yeah. But yeah. there's nothing inherently problematic there. Like, you know, if you have a decent plan and you're doing a good job of it, like that just, that's just part of the process. You update the server stuff at the same time that you update the, the core game itself. So you could share your castle with other vampires. Yes. Friend, friend, yeah. friend vampires. Yeah. And that's exactly what I've been doing for the most of the playing I'm doing is like me and uh, some friends on the East Coast have a dedicated server up and, you know, five or six of us all have our own different castles on the map. And uh, we're, we, we put each other, we're all in the same clan, so you can have like full access to each other's stuff because like we're not playing competitively. We just want to like build cool stuff and have rad outfits. Um, so, so my castle, in fact, has become sort of like the local work castle for our whole crew because it's just in a convenient sort of middle of the map spot. Um, so like everybody just sort of brings everything there at this point. Like everybody else has their own castle that they do whatever they want with. But like if you're going to like find a new recipe or bring back a pile of ore from a local mine or something, a lot of it, people just go into my castle and dumping it there. And we've got a big pile of work machinery in there. Um my brother built a, a, an elaborate prison for several prisoners so we could do experiments on how exactly the whole it's, it's, it's the most is the most absolutely outright evil vampires are better than humans sort of like mechanic in the game is like you can literally build a prison, feed them rats, withdraw their blood. You know, it, it's it's grim. <laughs> I'm not sure how comfortable I am with that, but OK. Do you want to talk about your cool outfit? Um, uh, the, the outfits are cool. The, the outfits are mostly kind of like stepping up the technology level. So like 
as you learn more technology, you can build fancier outfits that provide you with better stats. So it's right now it's a fairly straightforward thing. This is one of the things that I hope they get more fancy with uh, as they continue development of the game because I want a lot of outfits. I want to be able to like yeah really play vampire dress up in a like just for its own sake way. Whereas right now it's sure. kind of like you're doing it for the sake of being able to take on harder bosses because you've got better armor now on this new set of hollow fang leather armor instead of the original like default leather armor that surpassed the uh whatever was before that uh, Got it. so there's, there's just there's not as much yet but um that is one of the things that feels like would be a natural thing for them to build out um but yeah it's a good it's a good vampire survivor craft time like it's just it's it's nice and it's like 20 bucks i think um which seems it, reasonable. I don't know how yeah. much these things normally uh, cost, but that seems reasonable. Retail AAA games right now are like $60. Maybe it's going to be more like 70 at this point because that just creeps up every few years because yeah. money. Uh, so yeah, like retail has for a long time been like 60 bucks. You know, if it's a AAA game, it's going to be 60 bucks. Um, and then additional downloadable content after that might, you know, be like 10 or 15 bucks and they'll put out a few of those. And maybe if you want to buy like the special edition at launch, you pay like 90 bucks and you get like some bonus assets and maybe something physical in the mail. Um, so 20 bucks is like, that's that's cheap. It's not as cheap as something that's like three bucks, which I also like. Well, up and with early there, access, but... does that mean when they're done with the early access, you lose access to it? No, 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 no. So you're... for twenty bucks, you can play the early access game forever. Yeah, yeah. Like it's it, it's pretty much the opposite. It's more like kickstarting. Like it's it's like you are oftentimes going to get a slightly better deal for early access. Like mm-hmm. if it's twenty bucks when it hits, but early you access, may have to play something that changes or. Right, right. Like you're you're accepting that it's going to be like a work in progress, that it's not done yet, um, but you're getting access sooner and usually for cheaper too. And you're sort of like speculatively putting your dollars down there. And this is one of the things with early access is like what it means for any given game to be in early access really depends on the game. Like it is a broad concept. And I have friends who basically have strict no early access rules like for themselves, like I'm not going to buy a game in early access. Like I did it a few times. I got burnt. I'm not going to do it. Um, and I know people who like just, well, don't even think twice about it. And I'm a little bit in between. Like you can usually tell, like one of the nice things is like the fact that things are in early access a lot has been so normalized that people talk about the state of games with that in mind. Right. To the point where like, okay, I know when V rising came out, it, had this stuff in place it has this stuff that it hasn't done yet it has these kind of bugs it runs about this well people are saying right the level of expectation for early access is a thing that is becoming normal normalized yeah and and you sort of do you do your own like like little bit of research by reading reviews or whatever to figure out like whether it's far enough along for you Um, because there's there's really two things there with with early access one is is the game in rough shape because it's still in progress. Sure. Uh, which is a legitimate problem sometimes. Um, v Rising seems well, to be Well, and some people shape. probably mind more than others too, right? I sure. would assume. Well, and depending on, like, that's that's one of the subjective things. It's like how much you love it is going to make a big difference to whether or not you care if it's janky. If I if if I love a game, it can be janky as hell and I have no problem with that. Like, I'll complain when it crashes, but then I'll, like, just restart it and get back to playing it because I'm fucking loving whatever that is. Whereas if I'm just, like, so on something things like rough edges and bugs are going to like really get in the way uh, so yeah like you kind of have to just decide how much of a risk you want to take and how much you care um, 
but yeah, so you have that. Like there, that's one downside to playing early access is bugs and roughness and things are just janky. And but it presumably, eventually, it just gets polished up to being a final game, right? Sure. Yeah, and eventually, eventually, it will probably get finished. Like you know, there's always a possibility that they'll just like decide this isn't working or I got hit by a bus or whatever. You yeah, know, yeah, there's yeah. no contractual obligation that they finish the game. Uh, but, you know, probably they will. And maybe the game will get a lot better over the course of that. Or maybe it'll be about as good as it was when it hit early access. You know, like, you never know. It's going to depend on whoever's making it. Right. Um, but aside from, like, dealing with it being sort of janky early on, the other kind of risk with early access is, and this really depends on the kind of game, like, maybe you'll have kind of already gotten most of what you're going to get out of it by the time it comes out. And then it's like, okay, now the polished version comes out. That's like the ideal playing experience. But I already you know, kind of know how to play yeah, through it I'm, or I'm whatever. I'm fucking tired of this. I, yeah, I did this. I, I'm, you know, I don't need to, I don't need to play this all again. You know, I think that's more of a problem with games that are like really heavy, heavily narrative. Sure. Like if you're really going to invest in a story. You're like, I know all these stories. Yeah. Yeah. I know all of this narrative beats here already. I've, no, I've read most of this dialogue. You know, I know they added some stuff, but you know. Whereas if, it, if it's a game that you just like playing, you like doing the stuff in it, then doing it again later is usually not a problem. And I think V Rising is more like that. Like, I like chopping down trees and building hit, castles. Hit. You know, like, honestly, chopping down trees, I like chopping down trees in video games. It's a very good thing. Like, Minecraft, like, the first thing you ever did in Minecraft when you start a game is you go up to a tree and you punch it to get some wood out of it. And I have ever since then thought of these games as wood, like, like tree punching games. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Because like, that's the thing. Like, yeah, no, let me, let me chop down trees. Let me like quarry a mine. Let me, let me dig out resources. I can really chill out and bliss out to just doing, you know, some, some resource gathering for a while. And it, it it's just like, I'm doing fake labor in a universe that doesn't exist it doesn't make sense as a like pastime necessarily, but I enjoy it. Like I have mined so much ore in so many video games. I've chopped down so many. I have strong opinions about which survivor craft games have the best tree chopping. The answer at the moment, by the way, is Icarus, a game I could totally talk about again. Sometime. Okay. Um, it's just got a great, like every step of chopping down the tree, the, the, the swinging your ax feels good. The way it breaks at the trunk, the way you break apart the individual pieces of the resulting fallen tree, knocking off the branches and getting the law. Oh, it's primo. Just the best tree chopping I've ever had. Um, the tree chopping in V rising is totally fine, but it's not really as much of a not tree as chopping good. game. That is yeah. good. So it's not, it's not a focus, but you do know, you hop into the game. early access forums and talk about how they should up their I tree don't. chopping game? You're not I that guy. Personally, I, I don't do that almost ever with anything. Um, because people on the internet are annoying is a big part of it. Really? Um, Really? Yeah. No, really? yeah, 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 yeah. Believe it or not. Um, really? You know, gamers in particular sometimes really? are real mixed bag. There's a lot of 13-year-olds out there and a lot of just asshole 20-somethings. Um, and that's not to say that, like, you can't have a positive experience doing that sort of thing, but I rarely feel the motivation to, like, find out. Like, I don't really want to dig in. The Steam forums that we talked about, they have discussion boards built into Steam. Yep. They're great because you can usually find, like, an answer if there's, like, a bug in a game, like... If there's a right or a how do I like, do you know, this if it's a game yeah, without a whole bunch of yeah or rules some persistent issue yeah yeah exactly and early access games often have fairly poor tutorials and fairly poor documentation because that's the kind of thing you tend to polish up towards the end once all the features are settled right so yeah like being able to go onto the Steam discussion board and say okay I'm having this thing I can't figure out where to find X or there's this bug 
I can probably find a post if anyone else is experiencing that, like on the first page or two of the Steam forums, along with so much dumb fucking bullshit. Yep. It's really bad. It's really yep. the most entitled, like, why didn't you make the game perfect stuff? And, you know, that's when you're lucky and it's not like people being weirdly racist about some shit or whatever. Right. It's Sexist, racist, great. whatever yeah. the stuff is. Yeah. They're fucking forums on the internet for people who are not necessarily motivated by uh anything more in common than liking the same video game right so it's uh um, <laughs> yeah so not me no not 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 me particularly okay um that's not to say that doesn't happen and isn't very useful like that's part of the thing with early access is when it works well especially it's because developers are getting a ton of good feedback from players and incorporating that into the changes they make and how they push forward on development so <coughs> excuse me <laughs> but yeah I don't know. That's V Rising. I could see potentially the idea of playing V Rising with a bunch of other Metafilter people because we could set up like a Metafilter server and just like everybody has a castle. Um, I would not want to moderate it. It's not my job. I, I don't sure. want to be in charge of the server. But theoretically, but like, like me that, Fight Club yeah. could spin one up, right? Yeah, yeah. Or yeah, or it could be like a fanfare video game club special or, or something. That'd be neat. Um, I like it. I, th- I think it's great, and I think it is very worth playing if the kind of things I'm talking about are things you like. Um, and that's V Rising. That's, that's one of the things I've really been enjoying in the last month. Fantastic. Well, pivoting to part two of this podcast, you suggested that I watch Severance, and once I cleared up that you were not talking about Succession, I watched it all real fast. Um, and I asked you specifically after I watched the first maybe episode and a half, like, is this just kind of constant weirdy? We never figure out what the fuck is going on. And you were like, not really. No, actually, there's more there's more to it than that. And so I stuck with it because that was kind of my problem with Lost, where like I read. Pardon me. I read some stuff where it became fairly clear that there wasn't actually a narrative arc. They were just throwing shit at the wall to see what stuck kind of thing. And I decided I wasn't investing if they weren't investing, you know. And you were like, no, 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 there's there's some there there. And so I stuck with it. And I was so happy that I did. Um, But now I kind of wasn't expecting the whole season to end on a ridiculous, <laughs> ridiculous cliffhanger. I was not expecting that. I thought, I mean, and I'm not, don't get me wrong. Like, I'm not mad. Like, there is a second season, right? Or there will be. There will be, yeah. Yeah, there isn't one now, but there will be. Yeah, um, yeah because it was like, you know, I was watching uh, Our Flag Means Death uh, a month or two ago, and part of that is it ends... A little bit on a cliffhanger, not not the bit, same yeah. kind of cliffhanger, but definitely. We we, we just finished watching that like, oh. last night, and uh, yeah, and, when, yeah. I I had assumed it was going to wrap it up with more of a bow, and I, I oh, thought no, it was going to wrap are. it up, and instead everybody is miserable. So yeah, they're, they're definitely leaving it open. But well, I, I guess like a couple days ago they announced the second season. Up. Yeah, yeah. So that's great. Yeah, and um, oh my god, it was so much fun being on social media with just. <laughs> All the happy people that there's going to be a second season of Our Flag Means Death. And, and I hadn't been like in the same place in terms of severance, you know, because I just I just by the time I was done watching it, I already knew there was going to be a second season. Yeah. So the fact that it was a ridiculous cliffhanger um, 
was yeah, well, let's, let, let, let's back up and sure. uh, other than like as we said earlier, we're, we're going to spoil this. So yeah. If you want no severance spoilers, uh, stop listening. You know, stop now. Um, but also, like for the sake of people who aren't as worried about that, but don't know anything about the show, uh, let's let's talk a little bit about like what basically the show is. Yeah, I mean it's it's one of those shows where like you're kind of dropped right into it, and. You know, there's a guy, it's Adam Scott, he's got a job in a weird office. That's what we know at first. And there appears to be like a very, he's crying on his way to work, you don't know why. He gets to work and he kind of straightens his shit out, he changes all his clothes, you're very confused. He gets to his office, which is a very like... Oh wait! Or does it start with Hallie? Actually, it starts. It starts with Hallie. But like, sorry, this is all sorry, the first sorry. Episode. You you doesn't matter. You intro intro the Hallie Hallie part, and then my part comes yeah. in. Um. Yeah. No. It actually opens with a woman like seemingly unconscious on like a conference room table, and then she wakes up to the sound of someone saying basically, uh, "Hello." Um, hi. Right. Could and, you, uh, and she's not injured. She just, who knows why she yeah, wasn't awake. Ab- yeah, she's absolutely disoriented and doesn't know why she's there. And Barely knows her name. Her, who is like friendly, you know, asking her to answer some seemingly inane questions without explaining things. And Like what's the first state name you it. can remember or think of, yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. weird questions. Yeah. Um, and, and this is like the cold open of the show. It's like that. Like, why is who is this woman? Why is she on this table? Yeah, and it's a generic conference room. There's nothing in it. She's kind of dressed in kind of generic office clothes. the The speaker that she's getting spoken to through is a very like '70s era, '60s yeah. era weird speaker. Like, so so you're not sure like even what what space and time you're in. Like you're clearly yeah. probably in America, but other than that, you have no idea what's going on. Yeah. So she has a little confusing adventure there. And then, you know, and then we've got Adam Scott's character crying in his car and then going into work and being chill. And turns out he's the one who's talking to her. And then- yeah, he goes up the elevator and like something weird happens to his face. Like, like that's the weird thing that I'm actually, I was interested to like, so, you know, when when they go up in the elevator, there's a weird vi- visual effect, and I don't exactly know what it is. It's a dolly zoom. I love a dolly zoom. What's a dolly um, zoom? A dolly zoom is this great thing where, okay, uh, well, you, 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 you know what both the parts are. I know what a dolly uh, is, and I know what zooming uh, yeah, is, yes. Yeah, a dolly is just like, you know, a cart that they, you know, put it on wheels, and you can, you know, move a camera out, around on it. Uh, to get a smooth shot when shooting something. Um, and as a zoom obviously is like getting closer or farther from the thing, usually using a zoom lens that you can twist to yeah. you know, change the zoom. A dolly zoom is when you use the dolly to move towards something and use the zoom lens to zoom away from something. Thank you. Okay. Or vice versa. And you get like that great weird fucking perspective especially if like you've got a good camera operator and a good dolly operator because i could not figure out what i was watching yeah like there's Uh, clearly something going on but i was like is this like a yeah good thank you for explaining it it's it's, it's a classic classic cinema track like like the, the i think the classic american pop cinema dolly zoom is 
Roy Scheider in Jaws having a like holy fuck moment and there's like a zoom in on him on the beach well a dolly zoom on him in the beach where everything goes wonk around him while he's going right right Um, while you're just looking at him but yeah yeah it gets used a lot in horror like the horror movies love uh, horror directors love camera tricks and a dolly zoom is a great one mm-hmm. um, and it's yeah it's just unsettling it's unsettling and weird and it's not something that you have to do a weird CGI thing to. It's well, just and like, it's like one of the things that's really interesting about Adam Scott and I think he's really used to his full potential in this show is he's a weird looking dude like his head is a little too big his chin is funny like his nose is sideways his eyes are too far apart like like he's not conventionally your your usual actor and i think the fact that he's a little off looking and and yeah. also kind of conventionally attractive sort of yeah i mean he's, he's a, got he's a weird guy. Hair. he's also not he's not like tom cruise like he's he he would be a weird off model tom cruise in terms of like that sort of like star it factor on how someone's fucking face looks i guess yeah and and, and as a result he he both looks more like what i would perceive of as like a normal person but also, he's also clearly like an actor person. You know, his clothes yeah. fit well, blah, 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 all that stuff. And he's supposed to be a little bit of a, I feel, like a little bit of an ingenue in this whole thing, right? Because like, he clearly bought into, oh, and I, I mean, I guess if we're going to kind of move forward yeah, let's, talking let, let, about let, it. Yeah, let's get explicit about like what's going on there, because I think this is an interesting aspect of what he does so well in the show. Um, yeah, like, that the reason the show is called Severance is, you know, there's this spooky, creepy workplace that we learn more about as the show goes, but the, the, the general conceit is you get something done to your head when you get a job at this place so that your home life is your home life, and then when you come to work and you go up in that elevator, something switches and your work life is your work life, and those two people, those two states of being in your mind are as if they are two separate people. Neither one yeah. has access to the other one's thoughts, memories, understanding. Like, it's all very Yeah, it's weird. like two separate consciousnesses. And, and the ones who go to work at this place... Their, their whole life is just is, their work. Yeah, the, their first day of work is their first day of their life, essentially. Yeah. You know, it's and it's, you know, they, they don't really get into why that doesn't make them a functionally newborn baby. Clearly, there's some degree of like it's sure. walling off memory rather than walling off the entirety of your you know, acquired human experience. Right. You still know how to. Yeah. Uh, but either way, functionally, yeah, the people at work just exist at work. And, the people and they only the work, know the people at work. They don't know yeah. anybody that exists outside the job. And, you know, as you kind of get to know characters, you kind of get to know why people might have chosen this. You know, the Adam Scott's character had a wife that he thought died in a car accident and he was bereft and just didn't, you know, had a kind yeah. of a teaching job, couldn't deal with it. Yeah. And what if just, I could have like eight, nine hours a day where I just didn't have to think about this because I'm It's not too painful. There. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Which then as the, as take, the season like, goes, yeah. we have questions about that and, you know, it all, it all gets yeah. very weird. But it's all like, you know, stuff is gradually revealed to you, the viewer. So this isn't all just kind of fed to you. You have to kind of watch what's happening and be like, wait a second. And like the bosses do not have this 
we don't think. Yeah, like that, that's a real interesting thing. They sort of they play with a lot of things really well in the show. Like I really like the way they handled like various reveals in bits and pieces throughout the the season because like it's very satisfying to kind of be wondering like. I keep wanting to call Adam Scott Ben because I keep thinking of right, Wyatt right. from Parks and Rec. Oh, so do I. Um, but 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 Adam Scott, like his character, his like real world character, lives next toward next to a lady played by Patricia Arquette, who's like who's just like, a very nosy good neighbor. in this show too. Yeah, she's great. Um, and then at work, his boss is also Patricia Arquette with a completely different name and entirely different personality. And you don't and, like, know if yeah, she is a like, severed is this- employee or not. Because yeah. she's weird. Both yeah. both characters are weird in different kind of ways. Yeah, in starkly different ways. And uh, yeah, and so you're left wondering: Are they severed, or are is she just playing a role, or playing two roles? I suppose, or you know, is it going to turn out there's fucking like twins, or you know, like, right? It's it's a, it's a weird enough set of mysteries going on situation with the show that you really have a chance of like come up with some harebrained stuff if you really want to come up with theories. Yeah, and um, everything in the office, there's not that many other people around. There's very there's no other characters in this show other than the actors who have the lines and stuff. There's no random B-roll, people walking down hallways. There's no cafeteria. Like, the whole workplace is incredibly stark. And do you know where it actually takes place? Like, that's a real campus somewhere in, what, Colorado? Oh, I- I have, I have no idea. Yeah. yeah. So like it's a it's an actual kind of weird building in its own in its own right, but it's a very yeah it's a very strange white walled lab. There's too much space. space in everywhere. Yeah. You know, the four of them work in an office in a room that could hold like ten times as many people. All the technology is old. In a yeah, weird, it's like, it's like way. weirdly dated. Like not, not, not even consistently or whatnot. But it's definitely not like, like CRT screens, ancient trackballs. Um, yeah. You know, they use a film camera when yeah. <laughs> when pictures are being taken. When they play music, it's on a record player. And these are all like deliberate directorial choices that are unremarked upon by you know everybody's clothes are no particular style, very generic. Yeah. You know. Um, office clothes. Yeah, but office clothes that could have been any time in the last 40 years, 50 years. Yeah. Um, and, and, and so there's, there's a sense of unease introduced just by a lot of these choices, right? There's no ambient noises, all the, all the, there's too much space, the, the, the building is weird, um, you don't meet other ancillary characters, there are none, there are only the main characters. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess when you're, on the outside, there's a little bit more kind of generic people around. And he's, yeah. he's got a sister, the Adam Scott character, he's got a sister who he's very close to, um, who's pregnant. And she has, oh my God, can I just say her husband, <laughs> Rickon? I fell in love with this actor while I was watching um, The Patriot because he's like the dunderhead brother in that show and he plays it to perfection and he's a completely different character here but like kind of the new age-ish vaguely yeah he's a self-help guru-ish guy and it's oh it's so good kind Uh, of a yutz but his sister seems like a really nice person and they have a very close relationship in fact it's probably one of the only legit close relationships in the entire 
because everybody else, I mean, she gets along with her husband, obviously, but everybody else is weird in some way yeah. that seems to affect their way to be in touch it with is, other people. It, it is such a, it's, just, it's a wonderful, fascinating uh, parallel that everyone in the office is like clearly weirdly sort of under socialized, you know, like, sure. like they have personalities, but they are also like they don't have enough people to test those personalities against. And so just everybody's like the way they are. And Adam Scott is like weirdly, strangely optimistic and, you know, yeah, kind of buys in to the fact that he's there and that's okay. Um, The John Turturro character is like a very company man. You know, he's very into the mythology of the company and the rules of the company. Like like the, the, the whole company founder, like there's a, like, the company founder and on up through the generations of members of this family running this company. Um, it had, it all has sort of like a sort of like Mormony. Definitely a Mormon uh, vibe thing. to it. Yeah. And, um, and there's like halls of, you know, statues of the founders and their offspring that you're supposed to kind of look up to in these weird ways that like the people there think is a little creepy, but the viewer thinks is exceptionally creepy. It reminds me to an extent uh, of <laughs> Portal 2 and the Cave Johnson character played by J.K. Simmons was the voice actor for it. Do you love J.K. Simmons? Wonderful. Yeah, he was great and it was a very funny game and it was like great writing. But it had this whole thing of like he had started as like a carpet salesman or something and, and then found his way into like, you know, bizarre applied physics uh, materials science. Um, and And so you get like decades of him sort of talking about stuff in weird J.K. Simmons, like inspirational speeches and musings and dictaphones and whatnot. Uh, but it reminded me a little bit of that um, in a way that would make sense to people who, I guess, both watch the show and have played Portal 2. Um, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, well, and it's not that many episodes. The yeah, it's like music, 10 episodes. The music is creepy and weird and well done. Um, yes. the The other character, I don't know his... I don't know the real name of the actor, but he is also a really good kind of a weird foil, like kind of a awkward lumpy guy who has kind of a vaguely bad attitude, but he's also a high performer kind of. And so he's interesting. (laughs) So self-conscious bro dude kind of. Yeah. And the whole reason that, you know, this woman is kind of brought into this kind of work group of four is because Petey, who was kind of the Adam Scott character's work buddy, isn't there anymore and we're not sure why yes and he's the actor that i was talking to you about earlier like god what a great actor that guy is yeah i I do not recall seeing any other stuff Um, no i i looked at kind of his his imdb and i didn't recognize him from anything but he's just clearly he's got a really great presence yeah um yeah it's it's fantastic it's just really good because they they do such a good job uh, with the tone of it and with the pacing of reveals. And yeah, the finale is, oh my fucking God, like everything in the finale is amazing. Um, and all of it like drops off the moment before you want to find out, like, like, you know, having a cliffhanger in a finale makes sense, Sure, but having like seven of them that are all like, I'm genuinely invested simultaneously in, like, nested so that they yeah. all, yeah. Like, and like any one of those would have been like sufficient to like leave the season on. And instead they're like, okay, there's this, there's this, there's this, there's this, there's this. And, uh, it's fantastic. It's so good. 
Yeah, um, I just I just found I was really appreciating, you know, the attention to kind of stylistic detail because again, a lot of times when you watch that kind of like prestige TV, it's a plot line that I do not care for. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it's cops and robbers or it's, you know, Game of Thrones or uh, like, you know, something like that. And this seemed like it was kind of an interesting set of plots that was interesting to someone like me, while at the same time, you know, also being high concept television, which I'm not used yeah. to. Yeah, I, I, I care. It, it's very well polished. And also I really care about both the characters in the story. Like genuinely, I'm like invested in a way that like I don't even need to be to enjoy a show like there can be a show where I'm like yeah well okay the plot's a little bit tropey you know I kind of sure. think I know where this is going and sure. like, okay it was certain but but also like it's it's really well done and the cast was great and so like yeah I'll watch the show but like Zephyrs I'm like everything every fucking thing I am like yes well and like I just watched Christopher Walken in um this uh UK comedy series which was called like the outlaws or something like that and it's definitely comedy Stephen merchant kind of vehicle but christopher walken is in it. it's like uk but like christopher walken for some reason inexplicably is in it and so it was really interesting and i just finished that right before i started watching severance I did not and, know about this and i will have oh to i think it. i think you'd like it it's funny it's a little bit more predictable kind of and it is a sure. little bit more it ends on kind of a normal cliffhanger <laughs> But also um, it has Christopher Walken in it, so I'm like, sold. Well, I've watched some really lousy great. stuff with Christopher Walken in it. He's it's, he's great in it. And so it was interesting for me to compare and contrast Christopher Walken in that show, which was a little bit more what you would expect from Christopher Walken, and Christopher Walken in this show, which was a little bit more like, I mean, he's clearly Christopher Walken because he can kind of play one thing. But like, but like also, you know, I mean, you had told me like, well, there's a... a you know, tiny office romance level thing happening. And it was not the one I expected, you know, and and I appreciated that about the show, right? Yeah, no, it it speaks to how good the show is that, like, I have said almost nothing about Christopher Walken being in it, uh, despite that being, like, uh, like instant sale for me in general. So, well, and uh, Totoro also, right? Yeah, like, yeah, he's great too. You know, we, <laughs> we 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 watched Severance and then we watched the new Batman, which he has a role in as like uh, the big mob boss. Oh, interesting. Okay, um, and he's got the same sort of like older John Totoro kind of salt and pepper thing. Although he's like you know a streetwise mob boss rather than a you know sort of weird company man, sad sack character that uh, Totoro is. But like, it was hard not to like. <laughs> it's hard not to think about uh, his Severance character while watching him be a conniving mob boss uh, right. versus Robert Pattinson. So that was that was an odd sort well, of Well, and moment. especially, like, it's much later in the whole scheme of things that you learn more about anybody but the Adam Scott character's home yeah. life. And Totoro's home life is wild and not what you're expecting. <laughs> you know, you, like, like, you think you know him from how he is in the office, and then you find out, you know, he's at home listening to Motorhead and blah, blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And that's kind of its own and, weird, uh, neat yeah. thing. And he's a painter and also yeah. maybe like a, a grizzled ex-Marine. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, they, well, and that's, that, that ends up being kind of the thing with all the characters. Like, there's this big disconnect. And this is like, this is one of the things I really like about this show. And I hope they can sort of continue to do good things with, because it's one of those things that could be hard to keep up. Sure. But like, you know, it is, I, I saw someone on, I don't know, on Twitter, a metafilter, someone somewhere said something about like severance is 
the good place, but for theory of mind instead of ethics. Right. Um, which feels like a good way to put it generally. Like, like this is a show that is actively playing around with complex ideas that would normally just be background in a story if it's there at all. And like, you know, the good place did a great job of saying, okay, let's think about how people are and what like morality and ethics and the concept of living a good life are. And, and like did stuff with that beyond just like, you know, making a, a joke now and then about the concept of like ethics. Like it wasn't just saying who died it made, you know, uh, what's the, I'm going to fuck up the line, but like Eleanor at some point in, in the good places, like who, who died and made uh, Socrates, you know, King of philosophy. And, and she's like, Plato, <laughs> Plato <laughs> did, you know, I was like, I just told you, um, I probably have those backwards, but anyway, uh, you know, it's smart about it and it's smart and it seems invested in it. And Severance feels very invested in this idea of not just saying, Oh, what if it turned out you had a second person in your brain who had a day job that you didn't know about? Well, Ooh, and so it's like, no, at it first wants I had thought about this. It was just saying, you know, kind of snarky things about jobs. You know what I mean? Like for sure. the first part of the, for the first part of the first show. And I was like, oh, well, sure. But like, we know that kind of. And, but then, yeah, it gets a lot more complex. It gets a lot more into the nature of kind of, yeah, what we remember versus who we are. And um, yeah, I appreciated kind of going on that journey. And normally I'm not that kind of person about a show, you know? Yeah. Yeah, there's, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. So what I'm saying, Josh, is thank you for uh, suggesting that I continue to watch this. I am, I am so glad. Uh, I'm so glad you enjoyed it because uh, it's it's a darn good show, and and I think a lot of people would enjoy it. Um, but here's two of us who did. So there we go. Yeah, I know that we've we, we've hit about an hour. This feels like a good sort of like, hey, we talked about a couple things. And- yeah, I'm gonna go have some dinner and uh, kind of wrap up my day because it's getting a little late here. And uh, all right. But this was the conversation I was hoping to have with you, and I hope we didn't have to push out a bunch of Metafilter stuff in order to have it, which is probably good. People yeah. want to listen to it? Great. If not, great. That's also cool. All right. Well, cool. Uh, we did it. We'll do the thing, and I'll, I'll post this at some point. And I'll talk to um, you in a couple of weeks other than yeah. after this. Fucking A. Awesome.